0: If you would, turn to Ephesians chapter 1 with me, Ephesians chapter 1, and we'll take as our text this morning, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Hear the word of the Lord. who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Let's go to him in prayer. Almighty God, we come to you this morning seeking your favor. God, you have blessed us so richly in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And we come seeking some guidance or some encouragement in having communion and holding communion with your Son, We pray that you would draw us close to him, that we might receive the fullness of the riches of spiritual blessing that are in Christ. And God, we pray that as we study this text together, as we reflect upon it devotionally, that um, you would cause us to profit from this, and so illumine us, illumine this text to us, and Open our hearts to receive this truth. We pray all of this that you might be glorified in your Son Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, yesterday we began to consider what it means to hold communion with each person of the Trinity distinctly, uh, starting with the Father. And just to recap briefly so that we sort of come at this in the same from the same framework. First of all, we said that communion with God is a matter of practical necessity. Uh, this is not just the 101 of Christianity. This isn't just the basics of having a relationship with God, but this is, um, this is deeply personal and advantageous. It's a practical matter of, of great necessity, and especially as ministers of the gospel who of ourselves are insufficient for the work. Uh, we need God, and we need everything he will give us to help us to fulfill our duties And I know many of you have been through seasons of of difficulty and have felt your own weakness acutely. Um, And and, and so to the extent that we do feel our weakness, we need the Lord, his presence, his help. um, Everything that he will give us to help shore up our our many and very great deficiencies, Um, we're dependent on God for these things. This is the language of the confession that, that... Uh, the doctrine of the trinity is the foundation for all our communion with god and comfortable dependence on him we depend on him and this in connection with our communion with him we need to have communion with him as we depend on him that we might receive that strength and support and um, we find what we need from him in connection to him in the context of our communion Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's the, that ought to be the impulse that regularly drives us to seek deeper communion with him. Is that drawing near to the throne of grace because we're in time of need. We need that help that he might give us there. But the Lord is more than just our help. He's our happiness also. Uh, psalm 16 11 in your presence there is fullness of joy and we need both of these things brothers to be helped by god and to be happy in god because what good is it if we help others to know god and we ourselves don't know him we haven't made ourselves glad in him and so if we're going to be effective ministers or just even persevere in the christian life as christian men we need this communion um, we can have uh, neither help nor happiness unless we draw near to him in communion with him. And furthermore, this communion is personal. um, And so our communion with God must be a communion between us and the persons of the Trinity. There is no, you cannot have a relationship with an essence. You know, and so we have to have, if we're gonna have communion with him, we have to have communion with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I just have to wonder that, you know, when we're, babes in christ and we're not really aware of of holding communion distinctly with the persons of the godhead that that god just has to accommodate to and and by his spirit interprets our devotion our prayers and our praises in a manner that's pleasing to him and and he deals with us in our weakness and and immaturity but as we grow and seek to mature we need to grow in this distinctively trinitarian uh, devotion but how can we relate to the persons distinctly when uh, the only distinctions, properly speaking, as, as Nathan brought out um, last night so well, have to do with how God relates to himself and not, how, and not how he relates to us. So as we contemplate the Trinity, we can know God better. We study him, we, we contemplate and reflect, we know him um, in terms of how he relates to himself within the Trinity in this inter- eternal and internal way, but um, we have a, an interest in how our communion with him has to be based upon how he relates to us. And, um, and yet, he relates to us in this inseparable work. Um, and so this is a, di- a difficulty that I won't rehash, but, um, um, but, but, but this is where theologians have developed the doctrine of appropriations, where... Um, and this really follows the lead of, of Scripture in attributing certain of the works of God to one or other of the persons of the Trinity on whom that work terminates and, and whose person is specially manifested by that work. And, and we just naturally, I think, do this as we read Scripture. We, the Bible attributes certain works to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and, and that makes sense to us. That's fitting to us. But as we study more and become more theologically sophisticated, we realize that this, this is an accommodated way of speaking, but, but praise God that he accommodates uh, to our limited minds and, and helps us to, to know him better. And so when we do this and, um, and we speak of, of God's works towards us in this way, dividing it up um, among the persons of the Trinity, strictly speaking, we are making, in, we are making improper attribution, uh, attributions. Uh, but nevertheless, it does really manifest something about the person that we are describing And so, for example, uh, since the Father is unbegotten and the source from which we have every good gift, it is appropriate to think of the Father in terms of love and to reflect on the loving heart of God as revealing something of the Father. Uh, What is it then that reveals the Son to us? Which of God's actions toward us or or ways of relating to us best serve as the basis for our communion with the Son because of the way that they manifest Uh, the Son to us. Well, recall how John Owen says, communion with God is comprised in actions. God communicates himself to us and he communicates other good things to us and we receive and respond to these gifts. This is how we have communion with God. And so in terms of what we receive from the Son in particular, I'll follow the lead of John Owen here who suggests that we receive from him grace and it is especially in the receiving and responding to the grace of God that we have communion with the son John says in chapter 1 verse 16 of his gospel that from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace and I love that language it's so devotional and it and it just fills my heart to overflowing Ephesians 1 3 is perhaps my favorite verse in all of scripture that that God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. He goes on to talk about the riches of his grace, this treasury or storehouse of grace that we have in Christ. How can you not be affected by reflecting on on his grace? And this is exactly what we ought to do as we seek to have communion with the Son. And so in order to encourage you this morning in your fellowship with God the Son, I would simply like to walk through Ephesians 1 and just make some devotional observations here um, in order to highlight some of the dominant features of this grace. Um, one thing that I, I haven't touched on, um, Nathan, I think, touched on this last night um, to a degree, and, um, but when we have communion with any one person uh, of the Godhead, we, are, we might have a, a, a communion, for example, this morning with the Son in particular, but, but not in separation from the other persons of God. And so any time that we have communion in um, the love of the Father, um, ultimately and primarily we are secondarily enjoying communion with uh, the other persons of the Godhead. And whenever you find a passage of Scripture like this it is full of the grace of, of, of Christ, or First John, and we see the love of the Father, or where we'll go tomorrow in John's Gospel and see the comfort, um, the consolation, the help, um, the assistance of the Spirit. It's, uh, these are Trinitarian passages. You can't get away from uh, the role that the Father and the Spirit play in this same uh, teaching. Uh, nevertheless, we'll focus in here on um, the way in which it is the grace of the, of the Son that comes to us through Jesus that is the basis or foundation for our communion with him. And so we begin here in um, in Ephesians chapter one with the grace of election. In in verse three, Paul, in a sort of all-encompassing way, just begins with, it's all, all all grace is ours in Christ, every spiritual blessing. Um, And again, I, 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 I can hardly get over this verse, And I I want you to know that God is not withholding, you know, just to know that in Christ there is no withholding in in God the Father. Some some fathers are withholding of their affection, some people are withholding with their love, but but God, there is no sense in which God is withholding. Um, It's it's every spiritual blessing. Anything that God could bless you with, he he has blessed you with. Anything that he might give to you, um, he has given to you in Christ. That's Phenomenal. And in verse four, we begin to, to look at this specifically, and it is first the grace of election. Uh, Paul says here that he chose us, that is God the Father chose us in him before the foundation of the world. We see this also as we go on several places because this is the grace which is ours in, in Jesus. It's a discriminating grace, um, that from all eternity you have been the grantee of grace uh, to be received by you in time. Uh, but this is sort of the first grace, which is the basis for all further grace that, it, that, that uh, God has chosen uh, to, to bless us with. And so if we look on at verses 5, and in verse 5 we see that in love, there's the love of the Father, in love he predestined us for adoption. So one grace leads to another, and the grace of election and predestination, it leads on into further graces of adoption and so forth. In verse 11 also, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And so there's this inheritance. There are, again, further blessings that um, that come out of this, this first blessing, this mother blessing um, that God began to, to set his affections upon us and and, um, and this is a wonderful truth. He did not choose you because of who you are or what you've done or any potential that God saw in you that might distinguish you and serve as the basis for God's choice. But rather, he chose you according to the purpose of his will to bestow grace on whom he will. And this is a humbling, it is a devastatingly humbling grace to receive. And it's not always the first grace that we sort of receive in terms of our awareness of it. I love the illustration that Spurgeon uses of the, the door in the base of the cross, and he uses this illustration to, to point out that oftentimes election is something that is appreciated in hindsight. After we've come in, um, we we sometimes, the first grace that we are aware of is the grace of faith, um, but nevertheless, as we reflect back on the grace which God has shown us, we are humbled in this incredible way to realize that this didn't begin, you know, 20 years ago when my parents evangelized me and I put my faith in Christ. This, this happened um, in eternity. It's incredible. It's a, it's a most humbling grace to receive, but it is a grace that is revealed to be ours in, in Christ. And so the grace of election is is first. I, I do have to move a little bit through these because I've got seven of them. Um, so we'll move on to the the next one here, the grace of sanctification. And I don't mean to, I mean, I, I, don't, I won't even begin to scratch the surface. I, mean, I think you'd have to have a more penetrating intellect than to scratch the surface of this in mind. Um, but man, we're just, I want to suggest to you the, the range of blessings that are yours in Christ that you might rejoice in and and receive these um, with great joy. Secondly, there's the grace of sanctification in, in verse four, because he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. You know, the longer that we walk with God in communion with him, the more weary of sin we become, I think. The greater our view of God's holiness, the more discontent we become with our remaining and dwelling corruptions and pollutions due to sin. And, and this is both because we desire to be like him, I mean, to behold the, 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 the glory and the greatness of God, I and mean, we just have to um, have a desire to, to imitate him and in his, in his, in some of his perfections and to, to be like our, our heavenly father. Um, but especially because we want to be near him and and there's nothing that that makes it separation and we know that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God ultimately but but experientially um, we can um, we can 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 become distant in our relationship with God because of our sin and it just grieves us so and more so the, the longer that we we walk with him and enjoy communion with him and so the the fact that God has shown us this grace, that it is His purpose um, to make us holy and blameless before Him, is an incredible blessing that we possess. Um, that He is cleansing us from all unrighteousness. You know, this is, this is incredible. And so we have the grace of, of sanctification likewise the grace of election, the grace of sanctification. In verses 5 and 6, we see here the grace of adoption. In love, verse 5, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Paul wants to make it clear that that these these are blessings. And again and again, this is grace. And it comes through... Jesus Christ, and it includes our adoption. This is, this is a, a, such a sweet grace that we have in Christ because it is, I think, unexpected in, in a lot of ways. Um, we can almost make sense of the fact that God would show leniency with us or that he would forgive us or pardon us although that is really unfathomable, but, but we can almost make sense of it. But the fact that that adding to that, that he would desire to have a personal relationship with us and, and to draw us near and to take us from the courtroom, as it were, into the, the family room and to see us at the family table, to, to sit at the table and to to dine with him. This is just is so incredible to be called a son of our heavenly father and to have access to him and to be able to cry out, Abba, Father, uh, the, the sweetness and the dearness of this um, is, is unreal. Here's the grace of adoption. Fourthly, we have the grace of justification in verse 7. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. There's the grace of justification that God, through Christ, has, he's put away our sin. He has, he's, he's covered it. He's put it away. He's, he has canceled the debt. And now we have a pardon for sin. Um, we, have been, we have been pardoned and forgiven in Christ. And, and now there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. And we've been redeemed. And this, according to the riches of his grace. And so there is the grace of, of justification Fifthly, there's the grace of union. We, we might, uh, if you've if you kind of got a more systematic mind, maybe the order of these things uh, bugs you and you want to rearrange Paul and kind of set this in an in auto-salutist type of uh, ordering. Um, and if we did that, maybe we'd put union first. That By uniting us with Christ, that um, we, we have everything there that's in him um, by virtue of our union with him. And, um, and this really touches on, on um, this all-encompassing nature of the grace that's ours in Christ that we see in verse 3, that every spiritual blessing is ours in him. We're just united with him. What's, what's, what's ours is his, and, and praise God that he's taken our sin and made an atonement for us. But then what's his is ours, and we're clothed in his righteousness, And the full merits of Christ belong to us. And that everything that he has deserved through his perfect obedience now belongs to us. And we can rejoice in in this. Um, Verses 8 through 10, we read that uh, he has lavished, the riches of his grace he's lavished upon us and all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Sixthly, we have the grace of glorification. In verses 11 and 12, there is an aspect of this grace that is future-oriented and that gives us hope, and we see this here in verses 11 and 12. In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ, we have hope in Christ, you know, uh, might be to the praise of his glory. And so, and so there's this wonderful sense in which, as Peter brings out, that we have this inheritance uh, that is imperishable and undefiled and kept in heaven for us, And and, and we await the the full reception of all of the blessings because there are some that are um, for the future. And then finally, we see here the grace of perseverance in verses 13 and 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. If there's one thing that, that we might, after having received this promise that all of this grace is ours in Christ, we might wonder or worry is losing it. And um, my, my wife has sort of a, a little bit of a pessimistic streak. And so she sometimes begins to think about, um, so we, we got a dog um, like a year ago and almost immediately, she's thinking about, oh, it's going to be sad when, we, when, the, when this dog dies. Like, what is wrong with you? Just enjoy the blessing of the dog. You know, it's going to die, off, obviously, but, I mean, not soon. Um, I shouldn't have said that. She's going to listen to this. Um, I did say I loved her yesterday, though. But... I love her (laughs) a lot, but these blessings are irrevocable and sure. They cannot be taken away from us. We can't lose them because they don't depend on us. And praise God that they don't, because if they did, we would lose them. Um, It would be there'd be no question about it. We would lose them, but they don't depend on us. They depend on Christ. And if Christ can lose them, then we can lose them, but Christ can't lose them. We are united with him, and so our grace will persevere. Uh, We will persevere um, in him. And so you see that as we just reflect on these, these many, and this is just, I mean, again, scratching the surface, just highlighting the breadth of the grace that we have in Christ. You see the richness of it and And so, how is God's varied grace in Christ then the basis of our communion with the Son? Well, l- well, let me suggest um, to you uh, to a-, a few ways that we can make use of these these truths. Uh, and number one is, um, as with the love of the Father, first, you should acknowledge the grace that is yours in Christ. Acknowledge the grace that is yours in Christ. If you limit, his grace to a single benefit, like like forgiveness, uh, then you will not enjoy the fullness of communion with the Son in the abundance of his grace. And so this is a part of just reading the Bible as a means of grace, um, is to, to, to learn from God's revelation to you more of the grace that he has given you as a possession. I mean, I think that sometimes we're like people who have this wonderful inheritance, and we just don't We've not itemized it. We don't actually know what we possess. And so by by reflecting on what is ours in Christ, we first of all just acknowledge this grace. And so search out the scriptures in order to understand the extent of your spiritual blessings, uh, which are your possession in Jesus. He is a treasury of grace. And in him are unsearchable riches, grace upon grace. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is yours in Him, no good thing is withheld from you, and so we acknowledge it first of all. Secondly, understand um, understanding what it is. You must not fail to receive this grace by faith, and and so, brothers, believe that it is your possession, um, and that by faith God has opened the storehouses of heaven for you. That these. Uh, Things are yours in in Christ Jesus, and appropriate each one of them. Believe that you are justified in him. Believe that you are adopted in him, and live out of that adoption, and actually address God as Father, and draw near to him um, as one would draw near to a father who looks on you with with a tender uh, parental care and kindness, Believe that that through Christ, sin's controlling power over you has been broken and and you're being cleansed from all unrighteousness. Believe that through Christ, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Um, Embrace these graces by faith and and rejoice in the richness of your inheritance. And, And then finally, and we'll close with this this morning, there needs to be a response to what we know and believe to be ours in Christ Jesus the Son because after all, this communion is not a, it's not a one-way thing. There needs to be a sense of receiving these good things that God is communicating to us that come from the heart of the Father and, and we find the source in, in, in the Father's love, but they come to us through Jesus and are ours in him. Um, we receive them, but then we respond to them. There needs to be this response and so, and so uh, make sure that you grow in the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let your heart be strengthened by this grace. Draw near to the throne of grace that you may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And, and know the sufficiency of his grace in your weakness and, and set your hope fully on this grace. And, and finally, praise him for his glorious grace. Praise him for his glorious grace. And let's do that this morning as we pray together. Father God, we we thank you that um, you've not only revealed yourself to be a trinity of persons to us, but you have invited us into this Trinitarian life. As you have communicated to us severally, distinctly, through each of your divine person, you have communicated to us these good things. And God, we especially are thankful this morning of the good things that you've communicated to us through Jesus Christ, your Son, and for the grace that we have in Him. And it's not a little grace. It is measureless and vast. That it is unsearchable, it is a, a treasury, a storehouse. And we we accept your witness and your testimony. We believe these promises that this is our inheritance, this is our possession. It cannot be taken away from us because we are united to him. We don't hold him, he holds us. And we have everything that is his and help us to believe it, God. We believe, help our unbelief, convince our hearts that we have these things. And God, we pray that you would help us to live in the reality of this. And God, to to not leave these graces um, on the shelf as it were without improving them, without appropriating them, God, but that we would take them to ourselves and make use and, God, that that you would give us help and you would make us happy as we enjoy the grace that's ours in Christ. And God, we, as your people, give you praise. Thank you, Father, for this grace. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.